podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It is the Anfield Rap, Neil Atkinson here after Luton Town 1, Liverpool 1. I'm joined by Neil Jones, Andy Heaton and Ian Sam. But before then, uh, for this season, the Anfield Rap is sponsored by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. Uh, Green King Sport venues are showing every televised Liverpool fixture over the course of the season. So instead of using a dodgy stream, get yourself and your friends, because friends are important, uh, to your local Green King pub and get closer to the action uh, this season. On Instagram, there is the Green King Sport Instagram page, uh, which has got loads of fan content. It's got deals and it'll have competitions through the season. They've already given away Champions League final tickets, it says here, and signed shirts, so you don't want to miss out. Uh, Follow them on Instagram and you'll be the first to know about all of this and you'll be helping the Anfield Rap. Uh, The Anfield Rap is on tour. If you go to theanfieldrap.com forward slash T-A-W live, you will be able to find their ticket sales for uh, on Wednesday the 15th of November, Chicago, 16th Vancouver, 17th Los Angeles, 18th Phoenix. Phoenix, 19th Austin, 20th Atlanta. Uh, So that is all coming up. If you're in any of those places or near them in the United States, I respect it's a big country. You know, you just commute and you travel around and all that sort of stuff. Uh, We will be there uh, in all of those places uh, across the 15th to the 20th uh, in North America. Um, Okay, then Luton Town 1, Liverpool 1. The ultimate part of this, Neil Jones, is that these results will do you in if you want the big thing. That said, it was not the same as the way Liverpool got themselves done in in games such as these against the bottom 10 away from home last season. You've got to differentiate. I think it's important to differentiate simultaneously, though. You shouldn't be dropping points here. No. No, I mean, they put the stat up on Sky before the game. They near the bottom 12 last season. It was three wins. I think it was six where they'd failed to score. And you looked at that. And to be honest, I, you, know, you do your... You do your um, analysis pieces and I had sort of you know you have little headlines sort of half written before you, the game you think okay that might be something that comes up and one of them was like you know lessons learned from last season I didn't expect Liverpool to do what they did last season and drop points certainly not fail to score um, but it was different I mean it didn't remind me of the Forest game that they lost early in the season because I think that was a, that was a strange one where if it sort of felt like that even when you looked at the team in that game, you thought mm, they might struggle here, Liverpool. I, I sort of had a feeling they'd struggle. Mm. The Bournemouth game, I almost knew they wouldn't win. I don't, I don't know why, but it was just the, the, the way the team was at that time. They'd just beaten United 7-0. So I didn't really see this one coming. You could, I couldn't look at it and say, wow, yeah, well, this was always inevitable. I know Andy, I know Andy on Friday sort of made the point that it, it could be one of those games where if you don't take your chances, you could you could end up in trouble last 10. Um, but... This, this to me is a lot more easy to write off as a uh, just a collective sort of fuzz of, the, I mean, of poor finishing as opposed to more evidence that Liverpool aren't equipped. And I thought I thought some of the discourse around it about the, the sort of you know need for a hold midfielder, for example, I don't think this game is anything for that. I don't think this, this has any bearing on that idea because I don't think playing Fabinho in this game helps Liverpool win, win it. I think finishing your chances does and and having your, your, your quality quality players show more quality does we'll come back on to individuals in a second Neil I'll go to you back on this first this is the key question for me and I've just done Bacon Butty one of our video shows with John and I think the proof of the pudding on it will be in future games they've gone to Wolves and won haven't been 1-0 down at half time it's worth pointing that out the key question for me is whether or not it is one of them which you are going to have once or twice a season. City dropped points in games against the bottom 10 twice last season, so there is a little bit of wiggle room there. Arsenal five times. 
you're going to have one of them from time to time. But it's whether or not this is one of them or whether or not it does speak to issues. And I think that that's the, for me, that's the, and at the minute, I, I almost feel like it's almost a bit too early to tell, if you see what I mean. But Liverpool need it to be one of them, don't they? Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, but again, I go back to Spurs. I watched Spurs play Luton. It wasn't dissimilar. Spurs missed a lot of chances. Nicked one. That was the difference. They nicked one with the, the centre-back come forward and finish one off and, and scored. But Son, Madison, uh, Richarlison missed loads of chances and it was like, oh God, they had a man sent off. Luton had a goal disallowed for, for the VAR. So that could easily, you know, it was a very similar sort of type of game in that one. City at Sheffield United. City at Sheffield United. Yeah, exactly. Nick, Nick one. Um, City at Wolves, you know, sort of dominant but get done on the counter. So there's... There's enough in it to say that, look, these things are going to happen against even teams that we've sort of all written off and said, oh, they're going down, probably going to finish in the bottom three, bottom five. Um, I think the issues it speaks to is a little bit, the, the ones that I would be concerned with, take the finishing out of it a little bit because I think they'll, they'll take the chance on another day, is I think they did lose their heads in the second half and they started doing silly things when you just wanted Liverpool to show a little bit more certainty and start to, to actually turn the screw. You know, I think at Trent bashing one over from 40 yards I think of you know some, yes. of, some of the the short corner that McAllister ends up getting booked for and you think what do you what what what's that about you know I, see, I think Canate and Trent getting done both of them when they should stop um, Ogbeni when he sets up the chance there was just a few signs that they got frustrated they got annoyed with the, with the game and you'd want to see Liverpool a little bit more sort of calm and, and secure in themselves so Ian this is how it's different to last season's issues they don't concede early they never gave up through the game they never gave the body language of the fact that oh this is just going to become too hard for us today which I think in a couple of those games Neil's mentioned uh, Bournemouth being arguably the prime example uh, that didn't happen they controlled much of the game um, which again I don't think happens on the road at times last season and they continually created chances through the game. They didn't have a spate of chances and then nothing for an extended period. They were quite consistently creating... I don't think they're great for the 20 minutes after half-time, don't get me wrong, but they were quite consistently creating chances. That's how it was different from last season. But in terms of where it was the same, they conceded in transition. They still yeah. concede first, even a little later. As Neil's alluded to, poor performances and decision-making. They were vulnerable down the flanks and... All of that leads to people being able to say, well, have they learned the lessons of last season? You can you can understand why that's a live conversation at this point. It's reasonable, I think, it's a live conversation. I, I think it's a massively reasonable conversation. I, I do think yesterday is more sort of one that's annoying, irritating, infuriating, rather than it being a trend. Possibly the only trend that points to in there is Darwin not converting easy chances, uh, which kind of needs to be sorted. Um, I, I think... Our decision-making in the first half was appalling. We were trying to be too intricate on every single move that we made. We were trying to score the perfect goal, trying to thread it through holes. But at the same time, Darwin could have scored five goals in the first 20 minutes. So it's it's kind of... It doesn't feel like that's necessarily something that's going to reflect through the season. And I think... I thought, we're going to get to half-time, we're going to make changes, because you'll get them in at half-time, you'll make, change the decision-making process, and we do, because we push both Gravenberg and Sabozlai further wide to actually widen the pitch a bit more than we had in the first half. But then, as you said, the first 20 minutes, nothing happens at all, until we start getting back in the game. But it is, it's the decision-making process all the way through that first half that really lets us down. We could have and should have had the game done and dusted by half-time. We should be going to Luton, we should be steamrolling them. No disrespect to Luton, 
all the disrespect in the Wales alluding in parts, but we should be going there and we should be beating them. It shouldn't even be a question. There shouldn't be a conversation about it. And the way we play the first half hour, we should have them. But after that, our decision-making has to be better. We have to accept that we will have those chances again and not start rushing things. Decision-making, Andy, I think is is interesting. I, I take Ian's point around intricacies in the first half, but I also take Neil's point around direct stupidities in the second, uh, if we're honest about it. People shouldn't be having 40-yard <coughs> sizes. Um, I just don't think it progresses anything from a Liverpool point of view, and I think it, it puts a message out that this is what it's going to take today rather than the idea of, we've got this, lads, we've got this. I think it's it's worth remembering it's still a bit of a new team. It's still a team finding itself. I think you can, if it wasn't for last year's experience, I think we'd be able to find that message a little cleaner in this on the whole, but I will say again, it was a remarkably frustrating game of football in the end. Well, you can't have it both ways, can you? Uh, I mean, I understand what Ian's saying about trying to be too in, too intricate, and then, but then, then not but then, enough. But, but then, but then not. Uh, and you talk about the intricacy. I think it, it's not so much the intricacy; it's the patience of it. Uh, I was sat watching the game with you, and the, 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 in the build-up to Darwin's first chance, where he takes the first touch and hits the bar, but. 15 seconds before he takes the shot I turn around and said to you here we go because what Liverpool were doing they were just knocking around the back backwards and forwards 5, 10, 15 yards and you could see Luton slowly going right okay we're going to we're going to go we're going to go the minute they push on Trent's gone to the far right hand side and Virgil picks him out and you can see exactly what Liverpool have done they've drawn they were playing on the left hand side of the pitch it wasn't just knocking it around everywhere they drew them over to the left hand side of the pitch so you can get that ball over to Trent. And before Trent even gets the ball to feet, you know what's coming next. And that is patience. It isn't intricacy per se. But that's sticking. And then they don't score. And then they miss a couple more chances. And they do get, they do get a bit, ra- bit ragged. It's, the Forest, you mentioned the, the, the Forest game in a couple of games last season. We never looked like we were going to win them from the first five minutes. Now, this is a game where if Liverpool score... I'm not making excuses. I think Liverpool were good for the draw. But it's one of them where Liverpool scored in the first 10, 15, 20. You know, you're looking at a three and four. Uh, and that isn't me trying to cry it in. You know, that's... A, and, and I say Liverpool could score three and four, but I, while still not playing anywhere near as well as what they can do. And then the chances they were, so I will bring it yeah. back in. But we looked at... I mean, people talk about the XG and I know Sky... Had one on the screen. You see, we just been railed down a bit because people have had a look at it properly and all that kind of stuff. But that Darwin chance aside, none of them what are what you I would think are Liverpool chances. And then that speaks to me the, of the impatience of just trying to kitchen sink in a little bit. Too many crosses, almost playing it to what Luton wanted to do. Whereas I think if they had stuck to the game plan and being patient a little bit, we might have got. We, we might not be. Talking about a one-one draw now, and I, I agree with all of that. I think um, if we could have scored three or four quite easily, as I said, we could have been three or four up by the twenty-minute mark, very, very easily. And um, <laughs> the fact that we didn't, I think my my issue with the intricacy is the intricacy on the edge of the box where we were determined to thread that final ball through. And the final ball decision was wrong pretty much every time. But we abandoned that completely and go for bombardment afterwards. We didn't go for a balance between the two. And that'd be my biggest issue. I'm sound with the patience at the back and drawing them out because you could see them moving because they were determined to sit as, far, as deep as but possible. But then, then Luton decide they're not going to do that anymore. Yeah. And then just at, at the point just where he goes five and five. Yeah. And then the, and then they just sit. 
And for for all that, the, the intricacy, and I'm not I'm not arguing with you. It's just as I saw it, we do get in a few times that way. I mean, Jota, Jota for yeah. instance, yeah. Uh, there was a couple there where it just broke. Three, the bounce of the ball, if the ball bounces our way a couple of times, but you, you know, sound like an idiot saying the bounce of the ball. But I'm with you. I feel as though every every bounce that could have gone one way went their yeah. way. If you see what I mean, yeah. and you can sound you can make you sound pathetic and all that sort of stuff. And I understand that, but sometimes that happens when you I, again. This is back to my what is it one of them or is it a thing? Part of what makes me makes me this morning more than last night go. It's one of them. You get out and you move on. Is feeling like every time the ball ricochets around the box, but, it dropped to one of theirs so to did, clear but it, it. But it only you won't we won't know the answer to that until four or five games down the line. You talk about trends. Until it becomes a trend, it's not a trend. And unfortunately, you can't answer that question right now. I, I think one thing that would probably annoy people a little bit is if you said Liverpool won one with Luton and you come away, you go, well, who's Luton's man of the match? You go, probably the goalie, probably the centre half, Lockyer, or, you know, one of the. I don't think they had. The, I don't think that was the toughest game they'll ever have. I don't. I don't. I didn't come away from that going, I tell you what, he was heroic. One of that. One of that. I thought they played well as a team. And I thought oh, Benny was a, a real good threat. Barkley, I think, actually played well. I know it's not it would be a popular thing to say, but I never come away and thought, I'll "Tell you what, he'll never have another game like that in his life." And some, you know, often when you get a big team that, that falls at a, at a club like that, you come away and go, I'll "Tell you what, like, oh, Alan Stoke. Thomas, <clears throat> Thomas <throat> Kaminsky just has one of the games of his life." You know, you sort of go, "James Collins against what are you Suarez." To do? Yeah, yeah. You know, there's, there's games like I've had eight Nordy. You've seen eight Nordy have games against Salah. You go, <laughs> "Alan Stoke, 1997 Anfield." Why is he the greatest player in the world? But I don't. I, know, I thought Luton just played well as a team. I don't think they had any sort of players that had to really, really sort of raise it, raise it, raise it, and, and, and deny Liverpool. I think the other thing, if you're talking about markers, what was everyone worried about really with, with Luton that Liverpool had crumble under the weight of a physical attack? I don't think they did. Liverpool. I thought Liverpool dominated the, the physical That's aspect great. of it. I don't. I don't recall Completely. any any scares off a set piece. I don't Not. recall any off a long throw. They got done on a counter attack, which. Give them credit. That was a really good counter attack. It's a great ball. I think it would have undone most teams really in terms of the the, the the pattern it took. You can you can argue Elliot should stop it at source, and maybe a different player does stop it at source. You can maybe argue that it could have been McAllister there, but because he'd had a yellow, maybe they didn't want him there, and that kind of thing. I think I think that really did do him in a little bit in the second half. McAllister that yellow card, but I don't look at it from Brentford perspective next week and go. We've shown our belly there. We're gonna, you know, that's gonna that's gonna cost us down the line. I just think it's one of them where you go, fair play to Luton. They got a draw. If Darwin takes his chances, if Salah takes his chances, you know, he had he had a good one in the first half, which what was under undervalued. Where it drops too many, he absolutely slashes at it. And I think that sort of summed up his day. He had a touch in the last minute, you know, where oh. you think bring it down and he, he so often he does and he doesn't and you just think that's that, that Wolves in 21-22 when the ball yeah, moved to him yeah, there, yeah, I was thinking yeah, Wolves yeah. 21-22 and that day's touch in the last minute injury yeah. time is absolutely inch perfect that time it's it, it's missing but this is why I think there's a significance to the equaliser Neil and I think it's there in two ways and we can we can discuss both Sorry, I was going to I was going to say that you, you might come on to talk about it, so forgive me the difference with last season is Liverpool didn't have the bench to change it in games like this so yep. when Liverpool made subs at Bournemouth and Forest you thought They've made. They've got worse. You know they have, they haven't improved their chances. I thought Liverpool did have the subs to change it this time. And it's the sub. Well, it's one of the subs who scores set up by the other sub uh, in Elliot. And I think there's significance to that in that sporting way in terms of the fact that it is the two subs. Um, also, 
it was interesting. My own mindset became, I just don't want to get beat here now. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think it's important not to get beat because I think it would have felt... It, it, I've, I've woken up today feeling better about it. Felt last night, two dropped. What are we doing? Oh, my God. I think if they'd have got beat, I think I'd still feel dreadful. I think the fact that they, they keep going, they get the equaliser. I think it's got massive sport and significance. It means they can all get in the car, look at each other and go, wasn't great that, boys, but we, 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 we build. Whereas I think that then you would be more looking at last season, one, and two, there's the obvious personal significance for Diaz as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the personal... We, we talked about it... Myself, you and Andy talked about it on Friday, didn't we, about sort of the, the mindset of a player and how you can never know what you're going through in, in, in a situation like that. You can never know what footballers go through a lot of the time, but, you know, with, with something like that, I think it's a triumph for him to be on the pitch and to have, to have travelled... You know, once he was there, I was sort of I was half screaming for him earlier in the game. I was, you know, but but the manager's obviously knows better than me the sort yeah. of you know what what he's had preparation wise, sleep and and distraction and whatever. Um, but to have that moment for him, it doesn't change anything in 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 the widest situation, and it you know it's not compensation for anything, but it does speak to a pretty pretty robust character and a pretty strong uh, mentality that he must have just to get on the pitch but also to I mean it's a goal of desire isn't it you know yeah. that, that's that's what gets the goal it's not it's not a piece of unbelievable quality or you know sort of natural talent that just comes to him it's something where it's like right do you fancy that and he does and he goes and gets it and you know if he'd have been on his heels in that moment and sort of a little bit distracted you would, I don't think anyone would have would have sort of begrudged him it so for him to go and score a goal like that at a time like that after a week that he's had and a you know period that he's had brilliant for him um and probably a little bit even more you know meaning for the team as well isn't it you know you, you, you've, you've got a late goal but you've also got it from your boy who's been suffering and i think that 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 will sort of um not gloss over but um soften the blow soften the blow of of, of a disappointing performance definitely just on the game and yeah, the Diaz the, the, on the on the Diaz thing, yeah, hundred um, percent. And you know, I think you said on Friday as well. Some people maybe in situations like that, they throw themselves into the work, and it is work. It is work. But just on the game, because uh, we were chatting during the game yesterday. Had the game, had the match gone on for another five more minutes, then if we'll get a winner, yeah, I think they do. Yeah, I'm opening this up, right. So I, I said to you, didn't I, used to join the game, you know what, I think this might even be one where we need to go one one down on 60, as opposed to one down on 80. Because um, I, I, I just think that if we have another five minutes extra time there, Liverpool break the doors down, but I don't think that happens. Because as soon as, soon as and it's more to do with the opposition than Liverpool, it's a psychology thing. So Luton go one up, and then you peg them back. You, get, you, you give them something to hold on to. And then you take it away from him, and then suddenly it's like, shit, what do we do now? Completely sapped adrenaline, just yeah. goes out the legs. I, I think, mean, yeah. am I wrong? Or no, no, I'm with you, I'm with no, you 100%. I, I, think, I think two minutes would have done it. I thought the second goal was coming. I think, yeah, I think I think that's why the Salah touch was frustrating because you thought, hang on, this is this is what we do. Not, this is not coming. only that, but it, it went out of play as well, didn't it? Yeah. It wasn't just a, you know, it, it, it sort of the, the the air that comes out of the balloon completely, doesn't it? Go, when that happens, goes for a goal kick. But it is just lastly, certainly on the Diaz thing as well. One thing it does do for Liverpool, and this is from a really cynical point of view. And please don't clip this and turn it around like I'm making it something that it isn't. But it changes the story because it is Diaz who scores it. Uh, I think you alluded, Neil, you alluded to it. Well, Alisson goes and, out to his way post-match to talk it does, about it. But it also, it also, not just into externally, but internally, it gives him something else to think. You know, it gives yeah. him something else to think he was, about. He was amazing, Alisson. I thought that interview. He's, he's such a good 
Well, given what he went human, through, human isn't he? Yeah. In the sense, yeah. he's got yeah, he's that for that human sort of a little bit like Klopp. He sort of you know knows the tone, knows knows the right tone to strike. I thought Allison's interview was brilliant. We met, I remember the one he did obviously after the the West Brom goal where you know. I think he had everyone sort of a little bit emotional, didn't he, when he was talking about the support he'd had. Obviously, they've sent him out for a reason, I think, to, to sort of to strike that tone, and I thought he was, his interview was fantastic. His interview was, and it showed the significance of it, and I think that's the last word on the, the, the opening of this. It showed the significance of what it would mean to Diaz, what it means to that squad, and it, again, it gives, them, it gives them all a real sense of togetherness, which is the other thing I, I think they come off from that game there. To go back to last season, there were some games last season. I think Nottingham Forest is a good example. I remember thinking I never want to see Harvey Elliott and Fabio Carvalho on the same pitch again. No interest in that. Let that not happen from now on. I think they probably felt the same way. Well, I know a number of other players did as well. Whereas I think this one, again, the way in which it ends up, one of the comparisons is I feel as though Liverpool are no less together today than they were two days ago. I, I think there's been a massive sense of togetherness all week. I mean, the, the display of Diaz's share from, from Jota after he scores... It just shows. It's one of those things you don't think about. These are lads in their 20s and their workmate, their mate, his dad has been kidnapped. I don't know anybody that's ever been through an experience like that in my life. And, you know, if, you, if one of your workmates is going through a bad time, you feel for them. Yeah. And, and, and they've and got that closeness. Not, and you're not at home. Either you know, no, you're, 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 not, you're, not, you you're not. It's not a lad, group group of lads from Bootle who, who are all together and no. that something that you know. This is like they're from all over the world. So there's, there's lads there who'll be thinking, you know, similar to I better go home and ring ring my family and just just tell them I love them. That you know, you've got that kind of yeah. element to it as well. That that natural worry and the fact that they're all clearly supporting each other. It's there's a, there's a massive togetherness in the team this season, and I think that that is the thing that will get them through crap performances. Does anyone have a view on the team? And what I mean by that is anyone have a view on the Bournemouth team now in the context of this yeah. team and its issues? Because to me, Neil Jones, they look like they lacked a bit of sharpness. Yeah. I, th- I think, well, I think the two players that you were probably referring to, I think both of them showed signs of either fatigue and or frustration in the game. Sobis Lyon and Salah. And both of those two have been the the sort of the benchmark really for persistence and belief in, in, in games this season. And I, I did think I wasn't surprised. I would have left Sobosly on because of his quality and it might have just been one moment of quality that they've done it. But I wasn't surprised when his when his, his number went up because I was, I was thinking you I think you don't think it's coming today for you. You know, I think you, you feel like it's it's just not your day. Whether that was the Bournemouth miles in the tank, I think seventy six minutes he did the Bournemouth salad and the full game. I did think there was a, uh, definitely a sign in that. That it's also worth pointing out that they, probably, they end up having to get the coach back. They don't get to use the player. Yeah. You know all the hits of this. Yeah. The nature of the fact that you know we we were laughing at the weather, but the weather takes it out of you. Play in a placid eighteen degree game you know, at, at three pm versus running continually yeah. into wind, so and, on and so and forth. Played different roles in the game. You know, Salah, Salah played as a number nine, so probably done a lot more without the ball in 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 the game. I would imagine. You know, if you if you if you looked at the stats, I'm sure he would have had fewer touches and fewer sort of dribbles and all, all those kind of things. So obviously, I played on the right hand side in the first game, so it was probably a little bit more on the periphery so you, you maybe lose a little bit of your, your, your sort of your enjoyment of that 90 minutes as well um, but yeah I thought those two in particular I thought they they, they showed a little bit of sign of physical um, exertion but maybe listen if, if you go one they look maybe we're not talking about that and we're looking at it in the second half and saying I saw this light the cigar out and was you know Salah was as good as ever but yeah I, it did it did 
even even before Luton had scored, and even before the game had finished, I was thinking, oh, those two, they, they look like they're annoyed today. I've been away for a couple of weeks, so I've caught up on YouTube basically yesterday. Um, so I don't know exactly how bad the Bournemouth conditions were, but I believe they were utterly horrendous. They were. And possibly tough, as yeah, bad as anyone's ever played in, um, because it did appear to be an absolute hurricane going on there. Uh, so Bob's like, I think that's the first time I've seen him be anonymous. Yeah. It wasn't It wasn't that he was bad. He just wasn't as involved as we've normally seen him. Yeah. The change of position didn't make him any more involved, and it, it just didn't happen for him. Salah's game was off. We've seen a, a couple of times this season where his game's been off and then he's popped up with a goal. But yesterday, that didn't look like it was going to happen. So if that's... If Thursday's taken... No, what more would it be? Wednesday. Wednesday. If Wednesday's taken... I don't even know what days are anymore. <laughs> I've, done, I've done various weird datelines. Um, if Wednesday's taken it out, then we won't know how important that game was, that, that team choice that night was, until we win the Carabao Cup. If we win the Carabao Cup, then Wednesday's was a good choice. I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, it's easy to put to point to that, isn't it? I mean, it could just be as simple as just an off day. And a little bit, a couple of players were just maybe fuzzy, if that makes sense. Because one, one thing this Liverpool midfield's looked, what the teams looked, looked pin sharp. Um, and I don't think any of them yesterday could say that about the performance. And look, all the analysis they do with Kirby now, they'll, they'll know. They'll know about the physical levels and what they're capable of and what they're not. Um, and, you know, maybe, and again, I'm actually wrong, just my opinion. I think you can look for excuses in that. And I think one thing this Liverpool side can't do this season is look for excuses. Um, you know, look, you try and find reason and everything. I mean, that that's life, not to get philosophical or anything, but... You know, another day we we, we talk, as Neil said, if we if we win this game two one or two 0 or three 0 with the same level of performance, which isn't unfeasible given what what happened, are we talking about yeah. the game against Bournemouth? I don't. I personally don't think it's a, a thing. Um, I just think it was but, too but, many. Pl- come on. But what it does, if you do win the game two three 0 or you win in the game, it gives you the chance to say, "Cheers for that, Mo." Off you go. Whereas the way the game panned out and because they weren't sharp, it means well he's gonna have to. You're going to have to do it, aren't you, to the end? Or we're going to have to sacrifice yeah, Sobis in the second half and lose that quality. At least if they'd have obviously taken the chances, they'd have been able to manage all of those minutes. As it was, they sort of had to go, well, right, you, you could, we're going to have to throw our eggs at it. But you could say that whether the, you know, they'd played a week ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, the, the previous game could have been 10 days ago. I mean, how many times have we watched this Liverpool side have a two-week break and Jürgen comes out with loads? <laughs> oh, yeah, we've had loads of times to prove this game. We're great, everyone's flying and we've been utterly turgid. I've, I've seen that Liverpool yeah. performance when yeah. they've had a big break. It's all I'm saying. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting, though, the nature of who does or doesn't, who has a big <coughs> game. Uh, Ian, uh, it's a Bosley salad. I think McAllister, not for... Not for the number six stuff, for the sharpness of the passing. For me, as a bad game. Uh, he frustrates me because I just don't think he's getting it out of his feet as quickly as you'd like. I think he, he's trying to force the issue three or four times in there as well, and ends up giving it away because he's he's trying to he's trying to get Liverpool on the front foot, which is in one sense you know admirable, and another you're not quite sure. Nunez can't be kept out of the action, but needs to do the thing which finishes the chances in there as well. Um, I think both centre halves play well. Uh, in the grand yeah, scheme of things, so both centre halves play really well, but it's you. You sort of you, you you're lashing around looking for performances that looked around the level you expected these Liverpool players. Yeah, I think McAllister is an interesting one for me because I think he might actually be a number six. I think we might keep him as a number six for a very long time. I just think it's a completely different version of number six 
than we've seen before. And the bits in the first half where it was working, there was clearly that that very close double pivot between him and Trent. Things were actually beginning to work a little bit. And he's, he's a weird one because he wants to make things happen all the time. He literally wants to keep the game moving every second. Every ball has to be something that keeps the game moving. So he plays with a huge degree of risk which makes it look like he's a little bit sloppy at times because he is going to lose the ball because he's going to take chances. He's not going to be a player. I think that just does the slow, steady mopping up that you would expect of a Fabinho or, or an Endo. He's going to be constantly playing as a six but trying to move it forward all the time. And when it works, it could be spectacular and it could be, it could be the next great invention that we see. But we're going to have to go through a bit of a rough patch waiting for it to happen, I think. Um, I mean, that might all change in January if we sign Jindardi, and he might then be playing as Nate immediately. But if he does, we're playing with a wealth of eights all of a sudden, and we're going to look absolutely fantastic. He's going to do a lot of sixes, a lot of six stuff. Um, Nunes just needs to put the ball in the back of the net on the easy ones. He's fantastic. He's, he's involved in the goal every 60 minutes, but he could be in a go- involved in the goal every 30 minutes I, if he puts the easy ones in. I said to a mate of mine today, and I... I I'm glad I said it today because it's give me this for this content. But one of my big things, positives about him, is that it doesn't matter if he misses one because he rolls on. But I think one of the negatives is it doesn't matter if he scores one because I think there's no positive snowball effect either. It's almost like it's just a roll of the wheel every time. It's not. It isn't. You know, he's on a hot streak. I don't think he has a hot streak, Nunes. I think he. I think he just gets that many chances that eventually he scores them. It doesn't ever feel like, oh, he scored that one at Bournemouth, so that means he'll score his next five. It, it, mm. I think you're just going to have to get used to the fact that he's an accumulator of chances. He misses some really easy ones. He scores some really. He scores. He's, he's, and he'll score loads. He scores the two at Newcastle, and then uh, I mean, it ends up going in the back of the net. But he hits the post <clears> against Villa yeah. when he should score, and then it yeah, ricochets yeah. off the lad. And you think, you know, for, for normal centre forward parlance means that when he gets in there, he nets that one. And and exactly. He leathers one in left foot uh, against Toulouse, and then goes around the keeper and misses the post. You know, it's it's not. It isn't a case of some players. And I'm not saying it's it's better or worse, but I think someone like Jota, if if he gets one, you think Jota will get two or three. Whereas with Nunes, he gets one, you think he might bury this one, or he might he might blaze it. And you know, I still I just think he's that kind of player at the moment. I don't know whether he'll rough rough them edges off. I don't know whether he he actually needs to necessarily in the long term because he gets that many chances. I mean, he had five in the first 25 minutes, five shots. It's like that's like you know he had he had more shots than Luton yesterday. Nine, Luton had eight. You're like. <laughs> he's just going to score goals unfortunately there's just going to be games where he needed to score the one that he didn't you know one thing I spotted um, I don't know whether it's been picked up the obvious miss that everyone's talking about he doesn't really react to it right he's just kind of like just gets up yeah. picks himself he he puts a header over the bar earlier in the game yeah. and he's furious yeah. with himself he's learnt English hasn't he he's yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. No, but I, I just thought that was that was, yeah. that was telling his movement for the goal that he misses is Honestly, his instinct. If you talk, if you talk, if you get Ian Wright or Alan Shearer, someone to analyse it, you go, "Oh my God, what a centre forward he could be!" Because it's, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm watching that going. Well, Mo Salah's going to head that in, so let's just watch Mo Salah head it in. He spins round with the ultimate instinct of this is this is this is for me. I'm glad you mentioned. I'm glad you mentioned Shearer and Wright there because both of them, and I said this to you, Dave and Heather. <laughs> yeah, you put it in yeah. with the no, honestly, yeah. I, I know what you're saying. I think you're right. Shearer is the original one. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah. Still. <laughs> but yeah, well, I, it's that. That's to me. I, I can't. I can't kill him for it because I just see all the good in him. I see everything. I think. Do you know what? You are. You are that close. You're that close to just being world class. 
And I know there was a big debate about it. There was a couple of people on Twitter in the midweek saying, oh, you'll never be world-class. Well, you can never call him world-class because of the touch, whatever else. But Oh, that weirdo. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going there, but... I am going, but... I, I, look at, I look at all the good and I think, you, oh, you soft get. Why didn't you just put that in and shut everyone up? Because that, that's, that's all you need to do at the moment in time. But I don't know whether he... I don't know whether he'll ever get to that one where he's the Ian Rush, where one just one good in. one decent chance is, is all he needs, yeah. and he's put. Put, I think he's the one who might need don't need ten, but he'll get ten. Do the tapping, you get forty goals a season. For, for, for me, what for me, what one of the things with it is, and you've got to be careful with this because it's happened a couple of times recently when I've done my kick it into the floor thing. I think that the one thing that maybe just needs to change with him is someone's got to say when you're within eight yards of the goal, you haven't got to break the net. Yeah, you yeah. just get it over the line. Yeah. yeah, it's fine for that to be scruffy. Like, uh, diving ahead, as Andy says, even goes in off his midriff. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's, there's run a, it in. Run it in. No, he could have ran <laughs> yeah. it in. He could have ran Like, it yeah, doesn't... Yeah. I know what you mean. And I think that there's a little bit of that with him where you haven't got a... You haven't, you haven't he's got amped a, up. Yeah, you haven't he's got, got a, he's, he's off the and, and it's really he? important he is because that's what brings all the other stuff into play. Yeah. Uh, and so I think it's, it's obviously a difficult thing to coach. But I think you're almost at the point where it's absolutely fine. For it to be scruffy, because yeah. scruffy's, for instance, in that instance, <clears throat> if that falls to Jota, it goes in, but it probably bounces before it's hit the net in some way. Shit, you know what I mean? Like Jota, it, 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 yeah. it goes in, but it yeah. goes in heavy, and I think that that's one of the one of the things with them to, for them to think when, about with them. When, they, when we signed him, though, Klopp said in one of his first interviews, one of the, his outstanding qualities is his calmness in front of goal. Yeah, yeah. and now whether he's just took that off the goal he scored against us, and oh yeah, look yeah. at that, he can no, do that. No, no, I think well, it's. I think that's maybe a weird he means with him. the calmness, the sort of he he, he knows he's going to get chances. He doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't sort of go searching for 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 it. And I know he did. He was shooting outside the box and stuff, and maybe that was just uh, left over from the Bournemouth game. But I, I do think he probably does admit that calmness of like that, like at half time. You're right. You've missed a few chances. Did I? You know, like, I don't. I, I don't I, remember. Like, I'll get another one in a minute. I think maybe the the calmness comes from the sort of his head never drops. The, the flip, I think the flip side comparison is Owen. In that Owen, yeah. Owen would. I remember repeatedly. It's a very good Steve Graves joke that Owen would would uh, would, would not score in twelve, and then he'd score three, yeah. and then he'd say, "And I've hit back against me critics." And Steve once said to me, "No, the critics were criticised the fact that he didn't score in those games, mate." And you can't go turn back time, but he go. But then he'd score three. Then he'd score two the week after, one the week after that. Maybe have a bit of a, a day where nothing quite falls for him. Then the next game he get two. Then he get three again, and you get on this run. And then, but then he get an injury or he get off the run, and then you, he wouldn't <laughs> score an eight, and then he'd hit back against his critics. Yeah. <laughs> When Nunez, the goals are there. I think with Owen, the the, the big the big difference with someone like Owen was he did score the ones that he should score. Like, as oh in, yeah, you know, as in the one, it was almost like he was more likely to score in the 90th minute, or he was more likely to score, you know, when he's been having a shocker yep. in the game. You'd look at him and think that. I, I remember seeing him analysing his goal for United against City, and he said, he said a lot of players would think ch- chance. He said, "I never." He said, "I never ever felt like that. I always felt like lovely. Like, I'll calm down." I do think Nunes maybe is still in that, like you say, the amped up bit of, "Come on, this is you know, like the Waitley chant my name sort of thing. I'm going to belt this in, and, and I'm going to stand there in front of the away end." I think he maybe is still a little bit too amped, like, you know, sort of emotional or, or um, a bit wild. But like you say, that wildness or that you know, relentlessness is what. Makes him such but a, such that, a that's good what I'm player. Saying. I was half joking about the goal he scored against Liverpool, but we haven't seen that finish that much of it now. No, that much no. of it, like well, I remember the ball because the ball yeah, comes yeah. across. He's, uh, he's, that's Nunes now. He's, he, you'd think, oh, he's gonna. If, if we'd never seen that <clears throat> that Nunes goal against us before, and you played the tape and goes, what's Nunes gonna do now? 
They yeah. smash it. And he doesn't. He takes the touch, brings it back across, and then slides it yeah. really calmly back to, in the direction it came. And we haven't seen that. So we know what you're saying about amped up, and maybe it is a little bit of that. But it, can you marry what you're saying? But he's playing off the left at that point. Yeah, so true. you know, I think yeah. he's maybe in a rhythm of getting those kind of chances quite yeah. a lot. You know, you're playing in a different team where maybe that was that was his stock in trade that he's he's getting that sort of side for finish. He's playing, you know, he's getting all kinds of chances for Liverpool, isn't he? I I, I was a little bit, you know, I'd have loved him to have buried that one at the bar because it was it was brilliant. It would have been, a, it would have been just one of them brilliant goals. You go, oh, look at that! How do you stop that? You know, like that, that's yeah. one of them, isn't it? But again, just <laughs> trying to leather it. Yeah, hits the other side of the bar, goes in. We're all saying absolutely incredible, exactly. uh, and he possibly just ends up directly into the away end, uh, just very quickly. And the subs do well. Obviously, Diaz, we've talked about that, uh, forces it in that moment. I think Elliot does really well again from the bench. Yeah. The, uh, the Elliot's balling is excellent. Um, I was watching it at that point by by that point with Armati, who just come back in. He's a blue, and as soon as he saw Elliot came on, he said he'll do something. That people know what he's doing now. Uh, people are beginning to appreciate what he can do. So in that little pocket, that little ball over the top is absolutely perfect. It's just inviting being in the right place to head it in, and he's he's making a difference every time he comes on at the moment. And it's he's a very very useful squad member, and still what twenty? Twenty. Yeah. Looks like it's, he watches the game. That's the, I always say this when he comes on. He looks like he's watched, or, from he's, the bench. or at least he's listened to Pep Linders. Yeah. Who said to him, All "Right, when you come on, I need you to get closer to Trent or Salah. Get get." He he done one the other week. He uh, takes coaching was, really well. Was it Everton? He? Was it the Everton game when he come on? Yeah. And and, so, and it was like Salah hadn't had a touch of the ball for a, maybe ten. It felt like that. You know, he just he sort of a little drifted. It was like Elliot come on. I was like, right, bang. You have the ball. You have the ball. You have the ball. And we'll just keep asking questions of it. And he's really uh, the first thing I ever noticed about him when he when he come to Liverpool in pre-season was that he just had that extra bit of quality. He didn't cross it. He, he crosses it to someone almost. It's like you know a little bit the John Barnes sort of thing of. You know, I'm not just putting it's, it it's in. Not I'm not ball. putting it in. I'm, I'm, I can see the run, and I'm going to put it into someone. And he's got that quality about him. I think he's been brilliant this season, Harvey Elliott. I really do. I think he's really unlucky because he's sort of, he's sort of nailing down this half-hour sub role, isn't he? Rather than the, being being a starter. But I, I think if you look at the impact that he's had on games from the very first day of the season, I think he's had a really, really positive one from Liverpool point of view. Um, on Elliott, Andy. As I say, you can you can get lost in his, his role in the conceded goal. It's worth saying, it's worth pointing that out. But I think the truth of it is, I think he's, every single time he comes on, he makes Liverpool brighter, he makes it zippier, uh, he moves the ball quicker, he gets to where it needs to be. And as being said, he follows the coaching instruction. It was very clear to me, part of the thing he was asked to do there was, when the ball's here, you hold the width and it'll create space. So you're going to go there, you're going to hold the width, and then you're going to get on it and you might do different things, but you're going to hold the width. And that was something Liverpool needed. <clears throat> yeah, um, I think for a lot of... Such a young age, which when just referenced there, he's there's a calmness about him that like, like a clarity. Oh, <clears throat> that's about to like a, a clarity. Like he's got a picture of his head of what's around him. That Neil alluded to it. Them, you know, with the, with, with the, the, the cross when you you know he, he, he's thinking two and three steps ahead, and link up play. Yeah, great, but he doesn't get caught up in the in the maelstrom of it all. You know, when they get when the game's getting amped up, and it, he's. <sighs> The half hour sub thing is a really, really good point because that it's on one hand do you want your players doing that? Like coming on and affecting change and but then the other side of it, you're actually pigeonholing yourself. But um no, I don't think I don't think it's I don't think it's any surprise that we looked more dangerous 
when he come on. And I think it's an example yet again. And you know, you can talk about oh, um, you know, we have the five subs and all that, but you gotta use them substitutions, right? And I think more often than not this season, you know, the manager has got it right specifically with with Harvey Elliott. Um and I think as well one thing I say about him as well, I think you can see sometimes when and I've watched enough football to see this. You can see when the senior members of the the team are kind of babysitting a young lad. I don't get that impression no. with him. You he's don't. trusted. He, he's trusted. Mo loves him. Yeah. Mo trusts him. And I I don't think for one second Mo's not the type of player. If he doesn't trust you, he's not going to use you. Yeah. Um. So yeah, no great. Unfortunately, said unfortunate with the goal. Could he? Could he took yellow? Maybe I don't know. But then, you know, up the other end, does, do, do, we don't get the equaliser with Adam there. So, fair play to him. Fantastic. Just want to talk about around the conceded goal, Neil. Before it, I think that part of why Liverpool, a number of them end up appealing for the penalty. First and foremost, I don't think it's a penalty morally in any way, shape or form. But by the new standards of if it hits your hands and your hands a bit wild, it sort of is. Now, I just don't think it's a penalty. Yeah, I want to be clear about that. I'm not asking for it. Um, because if that's a penalty, you're just going to end, enter into a world of absolute madness. But I can see why the Liverpool players do think that's nailed on, because they're the ones who are going to the seminars, they're the ones who've been told about your silhouette, they're the ones who've gone through all of this. And so I can understand why they think that. Yeah, I, to be honest, so I had, when it when they scored, I sort of had this calmness of, this, this is a penalty, this, because I'd, I'd judge it on the reaction of the players, and it was universal, it was, it was a proper, like, a... How have you not seen this? And when I saw the replay, I thought, oh, actually, you know, uh, well, you don't want to see them given. It's no, a genuine, I, I, it's a genuine opinion. It's a penalty. I think, I think it's what was the what was the one that changed the rule regards? That was in Newcastle and Tottenham. Was it the sort of last minute? It was when it was the one when Carrow went mad on commentary and sort of said, "This is a joke." Get it ripped it up. And you know, someone had the back to the play and it just hit them under the arms. Eric Dyer, but. Um, I don't think it's a penalty. I think the one on Van Dyke with the with the, the I wrestling think that is, is. And, I, and I, there was another one in the in the game and the, the co-coms. Uh, uh, sorry, the co-coms. The coms wasn't it wasn't it was actually the the commentator, um, Canate and Carlton Morris and Canate got done for for basically having a share pulled and sort of yeah. winning the battle of strength and the, the referee said I had sorry the commentator said oh, you can't you just can't do that can you if you're the defenders like it was a foul by the attacker. When you're saying six of one half a dozen of the other, with the the Van Dyke one, I was like, well, actually, it's not, is it? Because only one of them was ever going to head that ball, and yep. was, ever, was ever trying to head that ball. The other one was trying to, to to make a make a challenge to stop someone. So, I thought that was far more of a chance of a penalty in the wider weekend context. So, I want to talk about the fact the manager gets a yellow card, and they're <laughs> adding up yellow cards on players are adding up as well, thick and fast. It's not just McAllister. You look up and down the country. Spurs have got about four on five, sorry, got yeah. about five on four yellows. Newcastle, I think, have now got a couple who've got themselves to six yellows. Um, so, I think that in first and foremost, this yellow card thing. If you're going to give yellow cards out more often, we're going to and we go to see the footballers. We don't go to see the referees. Is you know my my honest sort of held thing. You go to see the footballers, but I think that this. That Van Dyke one, the fact that the manager ends up with the yellow for it, all the stuff around Arsenal, other bits and pieces, Wolves who always feel as though they're getting done these days at every opportunity, poor Wolves every over and over again. This is my, part of why I think there's a crisis in the officiating, and I do think there is one, is that the players themselves, I think, think, hang on, you've got tellies now, you've got screens to watch this stuff, and you're still not giving any of this. And I think, the it's, forget what I think, I think the players think, 
are you all for real? And the managers think, I'm not having this. Arteta's probably going to get something off the back of what he said. Gary O'Neill might get something. Klopp's got booked. Marco Silva gets booked every other week uh, around this. I just feel as though there is a bit of a breaking point, and it's not about... You know, it's. I think it's interrelated with the fact that the VAR exists, but I think it's what's driving the players absolutely mad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think this was a, was a game that VAR or or, nope. or the officiating played that like that big a part. I know. I thought look, could have had a penalty penalty with with the Van Dyke. I wouldn't have said it was a, a nailed on one. I think it was more of a penalty. I think, I think the whole noise around it is creating an atmosphere around just about every game yep. that people are waiting to go people are waiting to explode on it and I mean I think a lot of, I think a lot of the Arsenal's problems or the problems in that game would have been fixed by them just getting the first the first big decision of the game right which is Kai Everett straight red off you go in, in the end Newcastle got three players booked including one of them who had to go off at half time because he'd had his ankle done in Um I think, but I think that's it. I think there's just a general feeling around it that everything's wrong at the moment with the officiating, yeah. and that means that as soon as there's a 50 yeah. 50 call, a marginal call in the stadium from the players, from the managers, it becomes a, a bigger thing than it is. Maybe everyone needs to calm down a little bit, but I think mainly people, the, the decisions need to start getting right. I mean, I saw Anthony Taylor. Did you see, have you seen Anthony Taylor's penalty at Preston on Saturday? No. Have you seen it? No. <gasps> Just have a look at Anthony oh. Taylor. He was, he was demoted to the championship to referee Preston on, on Saturday and, yeah, did not cover himself in glory with, with the penalty decision. I'll have a look at it. Uh, but it, it, it was Taylor who got Jürgen Buck. Yeah, have you seen the court this morning? Fourth official, yeah. Yeah, because the, the, the referee was none the wiser. Anyway, there yeah. you go. There you go. Just one, one other thing quick, Andy. I want to come on to the, the tragedy chanting point. I think it's important to speak about it, but we'll come on to that in a minute or two. <laughs> I think they play well in terms of where their level is and what they're about. Um, I think they're well organised and the managers got them well set up. I think they're a, you know, they're a credit to themselves in terms of the fact that they, they, they battle for each other. They, they stay in there. They, they know they're going to suffer. Um, I think they look knackered on 35. I think they look knackered on 60, but they keep finding a little bit more energy and obviously the way the game's going. And it's why any goal, I think it is worth saying, whilst you could say, well, they might have got one back. It's why you genuinely feel like any goal would have sapped the legs because they had the point to hold on to and then they had the three points to hold on to. But all of that said, I want to be really clear, I think that they 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 play about as well as they can in that game to get that result and that's, that's worthy of respect. Collectively, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think Neil said at the top of the show there was no like, standout heroes. There wasn't, you know, headline grabbers. Um, they had, clearly had a plan. Clearly had a plan. It stuck to it. They had, had quite a few injuries as well. Yeah, they've got a bit of an injury crisis at the back. Yeah, so you know, fair, fair play to them. They never, they never looked panicked. They looked stretched at times, but they never looked stretched to the point where you, you felt like you're going to rip through them constantly. I thought in possession they were clever. They let Liverpool play in areas a where a lot of nice little diags into the middle yeah. of the park. I thought when they thought we sucked you in here, and now we're going to yeah. go and we're just going to pick up the bits. They, and I they, thought that was well done. Their outlet was down Trent's side, uh, especially first half. They were clearly targeting that. That that's their out ball. Whether that was designed to, on one hand, get at Liverpool, but also make Trent more reluctant to maybe drift into into positions that we'd like. Um, I mean, it it's weird watching a game of football when you've you've got a vested interest in one in your team compared to watching. So, say if that was Liverpool versus Luton versus Man City yesterday, and they Luton are just breaking, and you sat there and you're thinking, there's no real. Pedal here, you know, they're just getting the ball up the pitch. But when it's happening to your team, you're like, oh shit, here we go. Um, listen, I think 
And I think it goes back to what I said earlier about there was no, apart from the, the Nunes chances, there was no Liverpool-like chances. So they limited us to the scraps, if you will, a little bit. Just a load of scraps. And I, I think it's weird the way games are judged and all that. And look, you know, you XG this, XG that. I wasn't surprised when they went one up. Not through the quality of play, but just their endeavour. They'd earned that. Mm. And they had a clear plan. If we get in a position, and having a plan and executing it, two different things, but they clearly had a plan for that. And they nearly got in. Alisson made the save about yeah. 10 minutes earlier. Not an identical situation, but... A similar one. A, a similar one. So, fair play. Look, if you play that, if you play that game 10 times, Liverpool probably win but seven. Seven or eight. Seven yeah. or eight. And then you draw maybe the two, or and yeah. then Luton get the one. But I, I think Luton would take. I think if you said to, to the, the Luton manager, he'd take those odds, and it's paid off for them. So fair, you know, fair play to them. I think um, shake yeah. hands. Well, the, I think key, one of the key things Andy says there, Ian, is that they had a plan to get the ball up the pitch. That was through good play. It wasn't through the idea of just hitting channels, hoping Morris gets bits and pieces. They were playing through at the middle of the park. I think the Canberra and Barkley both play well. They play through the two of them. They knew how to then play, in, play from wide into central, back out wide. And I think that that, you know, I'll say again, I think that's to the credit. It wasn't as simple as we're just going to hit a big man and see if we get some scraps. They had, a, they had a way to get the ball up the pitch and get the ball up the pitch under control. Yeah. And I think that, as I say again, that is, that is to the credit in terms of, let's be clear about this, this is a side that would see 17th as a massive achievement. Um, I'd be amazed if, it, if this team finishes any higher than 16th, uh, to be honest with you. So let's be clear that that's what we're up against. But to their manager's credit, the coach's credit, the work they've done all week, they knew how to get 60, 70 yards time to time and make sure that they managed to alleviate the pressure from the back line. They've worked it brilliantly and also the fact that obviously everybody tries to hit our, our right full back position because they know Trent's going to be somewhere else. But they went there with knowing that their most talented player probably was going to be there and they could get the ball to him and he would be able to do something with it. It's They made the best of everything they've gone. I don't want that to sound like the damn with faint praise because they fought and they battled, but they did it intelligently. There was no point where they looked like they were going to become a shambolic team. Tons of industry as well. Tons of it, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. 90 minutes of hard work all the way to. Those lads are probably still goose this morning, so it's, well, yeah, it is only yesterday, isn't it? Um, So they probably are goose this morning. It's... they, they work brilliantly. They were set up very, very well. They're clearly coached very well. The manager's clearly got a lot of ability. And they they deserved where they were. I think, again, it helped, didn't it, that I talk about not having heroic performances from the goalkeeper. I think that helps you, your belief in the game, doesn't it? Yeah. It helps your mindset. If your goalkeeper's pulling off worldies, your mindset is just nil-nil. Let's get nil-nil. I don't have, you know... I don't think they ever set, looked like they were settling for it. You know, they were they were obviously a bit deep, and they had moments where they were under pressure, and you know, Morris was feeding off scrap. But it always felt like they they thought, well, we we might we might get one. You know, we might have half a chance at least to to, to get up, like you say, to get up the field. I think there's a thing on that Neil, where I think sides are beginning to think more and more. Certainly at home, we're going to concede one. So if we've got a chance of getting anything out of the game, we need to score. Like yeah. we, there's not a there's, there's I think I think sides when you're now playing Liverpool City, I'd say less so Arsenal, but maybe one or two others. There's a few pathways to nil nils. So you've got to mm. accept we can't go into this thinking there's a, there's a I, I think that's where, for instance, 
and he was never this manager when he first came to the Premier League. He then became this manager, and now he doesn't have a job. But where the Allardyces of the world, the second phase of that when he became, we can just we can just ruin every game. Where that's gone out of fashion, I think, is that you can't do that now. You've got to have the idea of we're going to get, how yeah. we get our, we've got to get our goal at some point because the idea we might be able to keep them at bay for a one nil. That might happen, but it's easier to get a one nil if we go one nil. If you sort of see yeah, what I mean, we've got to score. I think the subs element changes yeah. that, doesn't it? The five, so it's like, well, you know, we can keep these out for an hour, but they probably make bring on three world class players after an hour. Yeah, and then we're gonna have it's gonna have to reset the game almost, isn't it? We're gonna have tired legs. They obviously use the subs well. The I think as well what you'd say about them. Is the players that you've heard of, and I know that sounds like a terrible thing, but the players that you'd say have got Premier League sort of pedigree, they showed it, didn't they? You know, yeah. they, they, had, they just showed a little bit of it. You know, Ross Barkley, like I say, Nakamba, who's, who's played in the Premier League before, even Andros Townsend to a degree, just just done, done the things that you'd say, that's what you're in the team to Occupied. do. Yeah, you're, you're in the team to show that little bit of extra, you know, take an extra touch, play an, an extra pass, a bit more quality about it. And the rest of them, like you say, they... they they played to you know the maximum of their their ability really didn't they? you know to to a um, to a collective. Okay, uh, now uh, recorded after the Merseyside derby. Here's me talking to Rupert about her game two. Neil Atkinson here with Rupert Vias after Liverpool have beaten Evan by two goals to nil. Now this will be a bit later than that, so it's a nice reminder that Liverpool beat Evan by two goals to nil. Rupert and me have both just been to the game. We're very excitable, full of adrenaline. But Rupert, uh, I've asked to speak to her about the fact that you are now the Liverpool-based ambassador for her game two. Yeah. And what I want first and foremost is, let's do it one step at a time. Let's explain to people the history of her game two, where it came from, and what its role is for football clubs across the country. So her game two started May 2021, FA Cup final day, 15th of May. Um, a viral video went out. Didn't expect um, such, you know, such attention. Such virality. Yeah. But, um, yeah, video went out. Basically, 12 women... Holding up signs with comments they've had, sexist and misogynistic comments they've received purely for being a female football fan. So this came about just from like online abuse mainly and just women getting fed up of this. You know, why are we being subject to so much abuse just to being female? You know, yep. football fans, the same as everyone else. So, um, yeah, 12 women, that video went out and it just, I think, took the football world by storm. Um, so that happened in 2021. And then fast forward a few months. First uh, official club partnership and their first EFL partnership was Bristol Rovers. Yep. Um, and it just kind of grew from there. So we had clubs contacting us, wanting to get involved, um, clubs getting ambassadors then. So ambassadors, we have ambassadors for several clubs, um, over 100 actually in total. And um, yeah, so ambassadors represent their football clubs and work with clubs to sort of spread the message of her game to an anti-sexism. So the, the, the spread of the message is the key part here. It is back to this idea that I completely subscribe to, which is that football should be for everyone. We want fo- we should want football to be for everyone. It's an opportunity here in this instance to make football be for everyone. And now you're involved at Liverpool as well in this. Yeah, so I joined the campaign in March 2022. A little while after, just kind of seeing how it goes, seeing if they had someone for Liverpool already. They didn't, so I kind of approached her going to myself. I said, hi there. Do you need a Liverpool FC ambassador? And yeah, they they said yes. And I kind of got the ball rolling straight away. Started speaking to Rishi at the club, yeah. um, head of ED and I, and just grew from there. And we had, built a really good relationship between her game two and Liverpool FC. But it didn't make it public until May this year. So, but this relationship that you built, it was about the idea of people feeling comfortable, obviously comfortable to come to the game, comfortable to point out if there's been any sort of abuse that's gone on whilst they're at the matches. Because whilst it's a very online campaign. 
the core of it is people will be feeling comfortable with football matches first and foremost. The online stuff's obviously a part of it, but football matches, we want as many women as possible to feel as though they can come, be themselves and relax. Yeah, I think the main thing is about football matches as well, that having ambassadors, you know, I'm at the games, so people can approach me yeah. or they can approach a stewards um, and kind of working with clubs on that. Like stewards are usually like temporary contract um, yeah. employees and we do have like senior staff within the club. So educating them and potentially like running some training with them. So that's part of our plans for Liverpool. But you know, being such a big club, um, it's hard to get the ball rolling. So that's why it took so long to get a partnership. But now, yeah, we're working together on um, sort of education. And you're also an ambassador for Wales as well, is that right? Yes, yeah. So I run her games in Cymru. Um, I started that St. David's Day this year just because being Welsh, you know, I had to make sure that I'm doing my bit over there as well. And uh, yeah, that's grown massively. Let's just ask how you've got the energy. Because, you know what I mean, I'm watching Liverpool today to the Merseyside derby and I'm exhausted. The idea that someone said, have another exhausting football team to deal with, it would be too much for me. I'd want to go and put my head in a bucket. So how, how have you got the energy for both? It's a lot and, you know, we do this voluntarily, but we don't get paid. So I, I have a full-time day job and then I'm doing the hair game too, Steph. Every minute. And that's the case with everyone else who's there yeah, as well, yeah. yes. Absolutely. Six directors, over 100 ambassadors, we're all doing this. Yeah. Purely because we're so passionate about raising awareness of sexism and just, you know, encouraging women to get involved with football. And you said all a good night out. <laughs> yeah. As I found out yeah. to be what? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to find out again this year. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope so. Let's hope it's there. You were nominated for an award of the Football Content Awards last year and you have been again this year. Yeah, so here again too, we're nominated last year and we won Best um, in Women's Football and this year we're up for Best in Women's Football again and um, Equality, Diversity and Inclusion. And then I myself actually had a nomination for an individual award in EDNI. Are you going to win? I don't know, I hope so. I want to do a trophy shuffle at Anfield. That's what you want to do, because it's at Anfield, the yeah. awards. Excellent stuff. Uh, by the way, just as a general question, because I'm not quite sure when this is going to go out, but this season feels so exciting, doesn't it? It really does. This is straight after Derby. They weren't great today, but they got the job done. They've got so many points at the stage of the campaign. For me, I'm unbelievably excited by this Liverpool side. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, Jürgen said it a few weeks ago, Liverpool 2.0, and it, that's what it is. You know, we've got this new era now. We've got Sir Bosley, we've got Darwin Nunez, you know, coming into their own and just taking over the squads. And yeah, that derby is excellent. Yeah, you know, it wasn't what we wanted originally, I think. Like, you know, I would, li I would have liked to have been 2-0 ever half-time. I would have liked those penalties we should have got. But we scraped the win, and that's what a Premier League winning side does. There we are. That's what it does. That's what Rupert does as well. That's what her game two does. Thank you very much for listening. See you later. It's John Gibbons with a quick insert courtesy of Football Prizes and there is a really fantastic prize that is ending today. Um, so Monday the 6th of November at 7.30pm this competition ends. So if you want to pause and jump on and win this fantastic prize, I'm sure Neil won't mind too much as long as you get back to the show straight afterwards because you can win a signed and framed Stephen Gerrard shirt. It uh, also, the frame includes a built-in TV, uh, LED TV, where you can watch some of Stevie's fantastic goals and memories in a Liverpool shirt of which of course there are a lot uh, if that's not all there's also 17 instant win prizes so if you don't win the main one you've got 17 other instant win prizes including signed memorabilia from Zabi Alonso Gary McAllister and many more as well uh, there's only 399 tickets so you've got a good chance of winning something uh, they have sold however at what well, time of recording 291 so only 108 available and they cost just £3.95 uh, so worth a punt at that price I think to 
win yourself a fantastic collector's item and also a really good chance of one of those 17 instant win prizes as well as but you need to be quick like i said the competition ends monday the 6th of november at 7 30 uh, but if you're in time go to footballprizes.co.uk forward slash product forward slash gerard hyphen tv i'll read that out again footballprizes.co.uk forward slash product forward slash gerard hyphen tv best of luck uh, and well done to all of you who have won on football prizes over the last few weeks so i do always like to know uh when one of you guys has won the prize so do let us know but best of luck and thanks a lot to football prizes for partnering for us over the last month Great stuff from Rupert. Uh, Marvellous uh, for her to come and do that after the Merseyside derby. Uh, Neil, um, just very quickly on uh, the women's team. Um, it's a great win yesterday and there's an importance to putting those points in now uh, against sides like Leicester uh, for, for Matt Beard's side because there's difficult games on the horizon. Tottenham, Chelsea uh, are coming up in relatively short order. So getting some points on the board you know, it's a 22-game season, so getting the points that they've already got there, Liverpool, it's just going to help massively with what with the challenges to come. Yeah, and I think it helps the confidence to, to, to put behind them that West Ham game where they, you know, dominant and didn't, didn't win. They were dominant in this game for, for the most part and got the win and I think that does, does wonders for it because I think you can get into a rut of oh, we're, not, we're not getting our rewards or we can't finish or we're not taking our chances and, you know, I know it's... It's a home game against a side that's sort of in and around where, where you'd expect to be, but they're in the top four at the moment. They're above Arsenal, above Manchester United. Um, I thought they played well, actually, in the game as well. Um, they're especially good. A good start. It's, it's a good start. It's a really good start. I think they're especially good in the first two thirds of the pitch. And I sometimes wonder if they're an attacker light when I watch them from yeah. time to time. Yeah. But they, they can phase themselves into those in, into that final third nicely. And so maybe then the attacker light, a bit of inspiration light. But it sort of bodes well for Tottenham and Chelsea away if they can keep looking after those first two thirds. You feel as though there's an opportunity for them if one does come to to hurt either of those sides on the break. Yeah, I think. The system works well defensively, doesn't it? Having the three centre backs, who I think are all ex- have all been excellent whenever I've seen them this season, and they've got good wing backs. We've, you know, we've got quality. Um, but it probably what it does mean is that, like you say, maybe you are a little bit caught out if you haven't got lightning pace in 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 the attacking areas. And they've got obviously Roman Hogg, who's a target striker. Yeah. Um, it would it would benefit having someone off off here. I think at times, you know, she she does win a lot of headers and has a real physical presence about that. But that said, I thought you know Mel Lawley played really well in in the game. Got brilliant, absolutely brilliant goal. You know, proper yep. proper bit of class and nutmeg and a, and a smash into there. And then you got who looks like an absolute steal of a sign in in, in Herbinger, who, who just uh, looks a, looks a level above sort of a lot of the players that you see on the pitch. You know, but both of Liverpool and the opposition, you just see just has that extra bit of class about her and you know really good finish to win it. Uh, City, isn't it, on Wednesday in the in the Conti Cup? Another, I think they'll use that them. for development more. Yeah, and so both change, sides. Yeah, you think there'll be changes well. in 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 that, obviously. But yeah, like if you look at the start of the season, there might be a few regrets over the derby, of course, and and then obviously the West Ham game. You you know, they've 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 been pretty pretty good, haven't they? In in these first We'd, five games, everyone would have took ten points in the first oh, five. Hundred percent, and you wouldn't have thought you'd get them where they got them. You know, they've, yeah. they've beaten. I know Villa are having a nightmare time, but they they were fancied at the start of this season. Arsenal, obviously, you know, winning away there, and Leicester, you know, decent side. So yeah, they've. <laughs> just got to win the ones that the you know when the pressure is on or the onus is on them to win it. Absolutely. Um, the bigger picture uh, for the men's side, Ian. City dropped points in two games last season against the bottom ten, home and away. Arsenal in five, uh, worth pointing that out. 
And this is the removal of wiggle room. I think you get to see it there in both those instances. City are not perfect and they have already lost at Wolves this season. You know, the, the perfection is possible but exceptionally difficult. Liverpool, what I would say, nothing's changed in terms of the bigger picture with this Luton game. What changes, though, is the pressure that's on elsewhere in other matches for the almost the entirety of the campaign, but certainly for the next five or ten in the league. You know, they've got to, they've got to make sure they're winning the games they should win. They've got to. Yeah, yeah. Th- th- this is one that we should have won, obviously. Um, I'm slightly reassured. And I come, I came on to yesterday with a basic feeling of relief at the end of getting a point from where we were because a loss would have seemed absolutely disastrous despite there's only point difference. We're still only three points behind City on the same games and that's not a bad place to be. Obviously, tonight could change things. Spurs could go five points ahead of us. Um, we could have been sitting second, a point behind City, which is where we should be and we've had three chances this season to be further ahead and we could easily be top of the league by now. We're good enough to be there. We just need to make sure that we're eradicating any issues. Obviously, you can't eradicate the spares issue, but grabbing Berge, not converting against Brighton, Darwin yesterday, these little moments are the moments that could really cost us the end of the season, if anything costs us. We just need to do the obvious. We need to be more clinical up top, and we do that we can go all the way quite happily, obviously, but as you said, this takes a little bit of wiggle room out. I mean, you watch your own games in a vacuum, don't you? Yeah. So name me, name me 10 things that are wrong about this the full squad. You all can. You all can. But I came into work this morning looking at, I was talking to the Darwin Nunes thing. Who's missed most, <clears throat> the most big chances in the league this Early season? Harland. Harland, yeah. Harland. You wouldn't think that though, because you don't see it. You don't see it. You don't, you don't show them match a day. They only show you the ones that they that hit the back of the net. Now I'm not. I'm not making the comparison between yeah. Nunes and Haaland. It's just that it's dead easy to like microanalyze your own squad. I mean, you can see the fact that with the tables the way it is, no no team's perfect. The team that are top, Liverpool should have gone three points from away from home. When you talk about City's records against the bottom ten last year, that's fine. But then one line that you said to me last year is how many times he dropped points away. Yeah, so the the, they only win three games against the top ten away. Exactly. So for every record like that, there's a, there's another one, and I it, I fancy Liverpool in the bigger. Maybe not City. The only game that scares me out of the top ten going away for Liverpool is going to City. Every other away game, and they've proved that with the, with the Newcastle results already. So all right, and that's an excusion. The result the other day, but you know, I don't think they would repeat. Liverpool have eradicated. Not totally, but things that have gone from Liverpool's game, and I know we, we need to hurry up. They don't look vulnerable. In the, they've stopped conceding daft goals in the first 10 minutes, such wood. And they've come from behind. All right, it's not perfect, but it's far better than what it was. And we'll only see if the, the, we'll only see if this affects us going forward when we play three or four more away games against teams in that area of the, of, the, of, the, of the league. The one thing that I took from yesterday, the reaction to it, was everyone's reaction who took it badly was taking it badly because they were looking upwards. No one's reaction took yeah. it badly because they were looking yeah. downwards, and that's where this Liverpool yeah. team is. Yeah, absolutely. I, I keep going back to it. The title, the title's one thing, but the bare minimum would get back in the top four and, and or the top five if, if it's required. Get back in the Champions League, reassert that sort of feeling that we're we're, we're in that we're in that top level of, of teams, which was lost last season. I don't I don't see any. I won't say I don't see any jeopardy. I'm not worried about that this no. season. I'm not, I think Liverpool are comfortably one of the best four teams in the in the, in the league, and will show it. Um, the tragedy chanting aspect of it, Neil, 
I think yeah. it's important to say that these things are never fixed overnight. A lot of work was done. It's been done for two or three years behind the scenes that came to fruition over the summer uh, with people being able to talk about it a little bit more with rules being changed, things being put in place. These things are never going to change overnight. Sides are still going to think some opposition supporters and not all of them for any team and this is a really important detail but some people are going to feel as though no this is this is fine we're going to do this without a maybe even knowing that things have changed in the public eye uh whether or not it's decent has never changed but whether or not in the public eye but also it's noticeable that it feels like a corner's been turned in mainstream circles it's interesting that Carragher, Carragher calls it out during the broadcast it's, it's good that jamie does that but this stuff doesn't get fixed overnight. It's I think anyone who feels as though, well, what's been the point of it all? They're looking at it the wrong way as far as I'm concerned because it'll take three or four more instances, whether we like it or not, um, for it to be crystal clear to every supporter in the land that people don't want you doing this anymore. Yeah, I mean, you talk about Carragher naming it in the, in the broadcast, which I say is a big step, but you think of Forest fans unfailing that banner last week in, in the away end at Anfield, you know, no to... No to tragedy chanting, solidarity with survivors. two seasons running as well. Two seasons running, you know, just the fact that it's been talked about and it's it's being kept kept in the in the in people's vision. You know, it's not it's not a Luton fan, it's not a Luton thing. Sorry, Luton fans thing. It's not. I know Liverpool. There's some clubs that obviously that the, the tragedy is more attached to with Liverpool, Manchester United, Rangers. You know. But it's not just a Liverpool thing. It, it, it's it's yeah. you know you know you know don't you, you know and the. the sh- it comes down to it, doesn't it, that every person, individual, that becomes a, a crowd that sings it, and there was, you know, listen, it's not everyone, but it, there was an, enough of a majority. It was the majority of the noise. It. Yeah, enough of a majority to make it heard, not just in the stadium, but to the TV viewers as well. Um, every person knows the line. They do know the line. If you said, if you if you were stood with someone and said, would you, you know, would you going to say that to them? Some people might. But the majority would say, of course, I'm not. So the idea that you sort of, you keep it, you attach that level of shame to it and, and that sort of level of disgust to it, I think is right. And make make it clear that just because you're in a football stadium, just because you're sort of, you're, you're trying to, you know, hide behind banter or, you know, you're sort of, you've got your, you've got your little thing in the pocket that you say, well, what about that? Or what about when that happened? Or well, the reason we're singing it is because of that. You, you, <laughs> you're embarrassing yourself aren't you? and I think the fact the more people that, that actually point that out and make that clear in mainstream circles in social media circles in wherever the better because it's yeah, it is just it is pathetic really isn't it I think that's the, <clears throat> that, that, that's that's yeah. the bottom line of it I know it, it's hurtful I, I it doesn't it doesn't have that emotional feeling with me because I don't have that to to relate to but it hurts people from my perspective, I look at it and just think you, you just—it's embarrassing and it's pathetic. If they didn't have, I'm not some of the Liverpool chants as well, but if they didn't have those connotations, they wouldn't get sung. Full stop. Yeah. Neil's Neil's spot on, and because there is no definition, yeah. and you you mentioned the line there, you mentioned the line, and I think you're spot on because they only do it because there is that line, and they yeah. go, ah, well, I've got the get out, I've got yeah, this, yeah. I've got that, and it's. Public, it's it, the whole. The more discourse about it, whilst it might be uncomfortable, is essential because it's only self policing that's gonna that's gonna drown this out, embarrass people, yeah, yeah. into into not doing it. We've seen that. We've we've seen it before. Look, you talk about the, uh, the, the the the. Let's be honest, the Chelsea Ren boy thing a couple of years ago, but with Liverpool, yeah, you know, at least face it, yeah, yeah, face it, and and it was and it was dealt with. Should it have ever happened in the first place? No, yeah. But it disappeared pretty quickly when it when people realised, well, hang on, this is not on. But it wasn't 
DFA or what, anything the Premier League said. It's be, it, it's because it's, it was essentially self-policed by the people in that crowd. And, and because don't, yeah. be, don't be basically shit houses need to be embarrassed. Yeah. yeah, and because Jürgen came out and said, "Look, don't do it." Don't do it. Yeah. At which point everybody educates themselves, and it's it, it's I genuinely I had the telly on quite low yesterday, so I didn't actually hear it at the time. I only heard it on the replays. Yeah, yeah. But I heard Kara shouted out, and obviously on Twitter you've got the. Yeah, but what it's really about no. is... It's a different tragedy. It, it's, 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 it's what a lot of people yeah. say. Well, that, that makes it fine that, then. It's not yeah. about that tragedy, it's about the other one. Oh, and, and what they're doing now is, yeah, but what it's really about is it's about the Suarez t-shirts. Yeah. That's come out a couple of times this month. It's bollocks. Yeah. We, we know what it's about. Everybody knows what it's about and you can't make excuses for it. And you're a team. I mean, if you're a Luton fan under 35, I'd, what, what relevance do you think any of this has yeah. to you? To you and your club, I think I'm expressing this very badly. No, no, they, no, no, they, they, well, they did try. Uh, obviously, what the what the pocket will be would yeah. be. We did sing, we couldn't play in Europe because of you, didn't they? That was that was one of the, oh, one of the, the, the their songs that they sung because they won the League Cup in the, in the, in, the, in that period. So that, that, I'm, you know that that would be the sort of what well, you know we yeah. have reason to We're sing. singing about this but song. I, it does, I yeah. just look at it and I think you see some you see these amazing moments in football from football fans. Where you see Cristiano Ronaldo being applauded at Anfield yeah. in the seventh minute, you see obviously the Bill Kenwright tribute that was paid recently, Bobby Charlton after, not just Liverpool, around around the country, Forest fans with with their you know their their banner. It's just it's just sad. It's sad that these things get as much credence, airtime, talking about as as those things. It's, it's like why 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 sort of veer into that territory when. It's just you can you can you can make Kenilworth Road a, a brilliant atmosphere, and you could have everyone sort of saying what what a what incredible bunch of supporters you are, what 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 support they gave their team. It's just sad the fact that we have to have these conversations about you know what is being sung during football matches. As, as football fans, we have far more in common than we do to separate us because there are so many other things we can be concentrating on. If we can take tribalism out of the game, you know. To go slightly to the left, the, the Arteta thing, we're, we're all anti-Arteta because it's kind of like, well, you, you didn't support us the other week. If we can take that tribalism out of the game as a whole, we can stand up for a lot more that needs to actually be acted on. Uh, last thing um, is the Toulouse game. It's a chance to get back on the bike, back on the bike, Andy. Uh, but it needs an eye on Sunday. You know, let's be clear about this. If we're going to say one thing about Bournemouth, um, I'm... I'm intrigued by who goes to Toulouse and I'm also intrigued by what the changes uh, will be um, around this. I wonder if the managers maybe got one eye on this as a, we throw a team out there, we see how they get on. Um, and if they, if they win for us, great. And if they don't, we'll sort it out when we get back to Anfield against Lask. I think it all depends whether Mo Salah invokes the contract clause in the, the, the <laughs> that he's going to start every game. Um, so we'll see on that. Look, I'm slightly different. I just want to get the, the game out the way and won. Just so we can put that to bed. If we win with three, right, and we finish top, is that, is that correct? Not absolutely nailed yeah, on. We, we pretty, pretty much, much. Pro, almost definitely through. Yeah. Definitely, definitely through. through yeah. So even to the point where maybe I'd take a strong team over there, to try and get the game won. You always have ideals. Try and get the, the game won easily, comfortably. You know, you were saying before we'll get the game won by X, yeah. and then make your changes there with the with the eye on Sunday because I'd rather. With, with a game like this, it's, I'd, I'd much rather win the game early than maybe start maybe not your optimum 11 and then have to bring the lads on 
to win it towards the end. I mean, I, I feel free to disagree. I just wonder if the lads might not travel. But then I said that against Bournemouth and Salah played 100 minutes. So <laughs> yeah, I just so, wonder. But I just wondered if the lads might not travel this time. If Van Dijk doesn't travel, if Salah doesn't travel, no, if I, I can't see them not. I, I can't. Yeah. I can't see them not. If they travel, I think there's an argument to play them and use them. But I think if they don't travel, I wonder we about. Think, we think McAllister will play only if he's suspended for the weekend. Yeah. Um, might play higher though. It might be that McAllister yeah, plays yeah, at Kevin Rendo. Obviously, Curtis's fitness is, is one to look out for, isn't he? He missed the game with, with an issue. There's just a few awkward injuries, isn't there? There's just a few that you just wish they, they weren't injured. You know, like, I mean, Ben Dogs obviously was back on the bench, which is a, a positive, gives you a little bit more in there. You, should, you think Gakpo will start? Um, Do you think he might try something at left back with one of the two young lads? Possibly. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. I mean, they both. They both featured so. for the for the twenty ones on Saturday, Chambers and Scanlon, um, and they've got a game on Tuesday against Barrow in the EFL. Well, we'll then think or two then. Then, so you'll you'll see you'll see we'll know a little bit. I think when when that team comes out, James McConnell might be another one that would possibly. I think McConnell might start, team. but then I thought he starts against Bournemouth. So again, what do I know? Yeah, I mean, Quanta. I think Quanta will start. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think there's a there's a case to start Quanta on. On merit in the game, as in yeah. rather than rather than as a rotational thing, as, as a he's a first team player yeah, yeah. who deserves it deserves a start. You know he's been excellent, he's brilliant at, at Bournemouth. Obviously, he got matted. I think the interesting one will be obviously the, the, how you rotate those those players, the top quality forward and midfield players. You know how many of Sobosley, Salah, Nunes play? Do all of them play? Do, do, do you leave them in the reserve as, as the cavalry and hope you get the job done? Um, it won't be an easy game, you know. You saw it even last. You know, as much as Liverpool end up winning that game, it was a, it was a struggle. They had to they had to battle through it, and you know, it's not gonna it's not gonna be a case of going over there and rolling them over. I don't think they're gonna have to they're gonna have to graft for it. And it's whether you you sort of you bank on your bench to go and win it in the second half of the game, or whether you actually bank on you know grinding out in the first half. Gonna win the game to lose. Yeah. Gonna, yeah. That was the question. Gonna win. Yeah. Uh, gonna win the yeah, game yeah. to lose. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think, but I think it'll be tight. I think it'll be really tight. I mm-hmm. think, and I, I again, I think at some point he doesn't go, um, he doesn't go hell for leather. But B keeps proving me wrong uh, and going for it. Uh, I think at some point he thinks, you know what? There's there's, there's a bit of cotton Like I, I don't quite see the point of Virgil travelling. Yeah, he if knows, you see what I mean. I don't see the point of Allison travelling. If you're not going to use Allison, don't send him. Do you know think, what I mean? I think, I think he question. has a foiler on Brentford, doesn't he? I think he has a, a respect for Brentford in yeah, terms of yeah. the, the, the physicality of it. So I think he'll be the one. And they're always a hard game. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the big question for Thursday is right back. Because yeah. Gomez has now played, that'd be Gomez's third game on the bounce if um, if he yeah. plays right back. But are you going to play Trent at right back against Toulouse? I don't, just on that though as well, I don't see why you drop or swap Alisson out because it's not a fitness issue. But I think you know it's, a, I mean? but it's a, it's a Kelleher, we've, we've said to him he's going yeah. to get these games, so yeah. we give him these games because I'm very straight with me players and I tell them the truth. Yeah, I, think he, I think he's getting those games yeah. this season, we've seen it and... Oh, yeah. So what what happens if we get if we if we get to, I mean it's a, it's a wide discussion. But what happens if we get through and then we get one of the Champions League? But I, but I, but, oh, I think, yeah, I but, I think, but I think it might be different. But I know it might be that he's. For, I think whatever he said, he might have said to Kelleher group games and we see and we have a chat about it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't but think he he's play, made he a hard and fast. He played the Carabao Cup final, didn't he? Yeah. You know he they, that that was that is that's the biggest indicator. I think that when he's committed to something, he plays. You know he would have played every game of that cup run apart from I think he was injured for one of them where Allison played uh, possibly Arsenal in the semis. Yeah, I think he's the goalkeeper for this, and you know, there's a few others. I think that in different ways, I don't think Keller has one of them. But there's a few others that you think. Come on, in, let's see what. Let's see if you've got Elliot. Might be, might be one that you'd yeah. say. Obviously, Gakpo. 
yeah, uh, I think they'll be in there. I think they'll do the business. Uh, all right, then. Thank you very much uh, to Jordan, uh, producing Andy, Neil, and Ian. Uh, Green King, do come and see us on the US tour if you're in any of those locations that are Chicago, Vancouver, LA, Phoenix. Um, I think that says Austin. It does say Austin. I should know this by now. And Atlanta. Uh, listen, the handwriting's one thing. Uh, the results are another. Uh, Liverpool, all they've done is remove the wiggle room. Nothing else has changed. Sports Social Podcast Network.